There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Right now on the Power Court Hour, I am talking to Chelsea of Buffalo Group Stress Dolls. If you listen to the show, you have definitely heard them played on here. And the band just released their latest release. It is called Forward. And we're going to talk new music and songwriting. And I mean, I, I feel like I used to be somewhat part of the Buffalo scene. And I've not been in a long time. So curiosity, definitely got to talk to uh, Chelsea about all that kind of stuff as well. So Chelsea, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Anthony. As we were saying before, it's we've been in touch for a while, and it's really nice now to finally be on the program. Yeah, I'm excited. Like I really, it, my poor, uh, my I guess I'm the only one to blame because I run everything here. But yeah, my poor booking skills. I'm like, I'm surprised we haven't had you on because yeah, I feel like we've been playing you for uh, I mean at least a few years. We've definitely uh, been like talking about the band, which I mean I guess I guess to like start out in kind of like an intro about Stress Dolls and everything. How long have you been performing as Stress Dolls now? So the Stress Dolls story kind of starts, um, let's see, I guess if we want to go way back, eight years ago, just about, I graduated from college. Uh, I went to Fredonia and um, I came back to Buffalo. I'm from Buffalo. And I knew that I wanted to get really involved in the music scene. Um, I had been in a band at Fredonia. We had played a little bit, but I had started kind of playing more solo after that. And um, I knew I wanted to continue that forward here as well as hopefully getting back into a band. So I started playing under the name Wolf, like the animal, because they were my favorite animals growing up. So uh, I started playing solo as Wolf, then I got a couple of guys to join my band on bass and drums, um, and so then the three of us were Wolf for probably about mm, like a year and a half, maybe almost two years, and went through several lineup changes, and then once we had this new lineup kind of together, we felt like a new name was appropriate for multiple reasons, um, so Stress Dolls was chosen. We released an EP, uh, and we were trying to plan, you know, hopefully bigger and better things like many bands <laughs> aspire to. Um, but unfortunately, at the end of the day, it just wasn't meant to be just because people had different life ambitions, different plans. So the band kind of disintegrated. Um, and then I was left, though, still wanting to continue because we have literally like just released an EP. You know, so I was like, come on, like, it can't be over, you know. Um, So with that, I, uh, you know, I guess just continued forward with the name Stress Dolls as a solo act. (laughs) Um, So it's funny because, like, all the recordings are band, obviously sound, full band sound. And, like, I always have my friends playing on the recordings with me. And then I also do a lot of the layers myself. But um, technically, it's kind of a solo thing. But now, just within the last, like, literally the last couple weeks with this new release, I have some people who are willing to play some more shows with me as a full band. So now we're kind of dipping our toes back into it being a group. Um, So, yeah, it's been, long story short, (laughs) I know I just told you the whole long story. It's been about eight years. Um, Yeah. I was kind of wondering that too, because yeah, like I know, like on the records, you uh, definitely do like full band stuff, and I know you do a lot of like 
kind of like solo stuff when you do it live. But I mean, there's also full bands. Like I wasn't, I, I was kind of wondering where that like kind of sat, but it, it sounds like then, I mean, you would be kind of game to like keep it full band if you found like a, like, you know, just someone, a few people who would commit full time. Or I mean, would you still kind of like, cause at the same time, I feel like there's probably some freedom in basically being the only member and then kind of being like, you can write these songs and then go find people to like play live. You know, like I, I feel like some people have a preference to that. Do you, do you have a preference in that? Like rather being full band or just kind of continue to like, you know, you write the stuff and then when you want to go play out, you'll grab a, a couple people. I think at this point in time, just the way that life has worked out and how things roll, I prefer to technically have it just be, my project, um, just because of exactly what you're saying, it's just a lot easier to book, to plan. You know, I mean, I, I still, and I, you know, I'm hoping to do this within the year. Obviously, COVID kind of has put a big, um, you know, a stop sign, I guess, on a lot of planning as far as touring and stuff. But like, I'd love to like hit the road and everything. And when you're in a group, you really have to be sure that people want to commit to that kind of a thing. You know, I mean, there's, and oh, totally. I, and I get it because like people have jobs, they have lives and it's hard. And especially as you're getting older, it's just harder and harder to really, um, stop everything just to go play shows in different <laughs> cities. And especially when there's not a lot of money in it, you know? So, yeah. um, that said, like, I think it's kind of cool to just have it be like where you're the only person you need to rely on. However, when you're in a band and the band is working and like, it, I mean, there's no feeling like it, you know, it's like, it's, it's amazing to play music with other people and just have it really gel. So I like the freedom of being a solo artist, but I also really enjoy um, the opportunity to be able to call up some really talented friends who I'm lucky to know and like have them join me for, you know, certain shows. I know. Uh, I know you just had your uh, stress or not your uh, record release show, like maybe a week or so ago. How did uh, that go? I know that was full band, right? It was, yeah, and it was super fun. That was great. Um, everybody who played at that show uh, played on the album, so oh, nice. it was really cool. Yeah, to be able to to reunite with everybody and all of those musicians have projects of their own. Actually, two of them in the band are full time musicians. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's like what they do yeah so um josh english who's the drummer he's in the biggest band he's in in buffalo is called grosh but he's in um uh, multiple projects and he's also a session drummer and he's incredible and then sally shaper the violinist she's also in uh multiple projects here in buffalo the main one being a band called over and out but now she's she literally plays like every night of the week and so does josh um so that was really fun. And then my friend Jordan Smith, um, he, you know, we met at a job I had at the public library <laughs> years ago and, uh, I follow him on Instagram and I noticed he would always post these videos of him playing guitar riffs and, uh, I loved his sound. And so I asked him to play. And so, uh, that was really cool to have him there too. And my friend TJ actually was in both Wolf and Stress Dolls. So I've played oh, with nice. him for years. Yeah, so that was really, really fun, and we're all, after it ended, because it was supposedly one night only, quote-unquote, but uh, literally as soon as the show was done, we all kind of got into a huddle, and it was like, this can't be the last time. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this has got to happen again, so we're hoping to make it happen more often. That's that's awesome, and I mean, that's that's a great live band if you have people in there who are playing that often. 
that's a, you know what I mean? Like they can probably go up there and like just play whatever you need them to play. For you, like going back and forth of like, you know, playing full band and then just you yourself solo, like is it is it weird going back and forth at all? And maybe it's not, maybe it's not at all, but just like I know you jumping sometimes, like do you have to change up like the arrangements? You know what I mean? Like of the songs and stuff, whether you're playing full band or if you're just going out with you and the guitar. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was something I realized through rehearsing for the the release show was just how when you're playing solo, obviously it's just like you're saying you and the guitar. Um, so you're having to cover every bit of melodic space. Um, but when you're with the band and especially when they're, you know, we had, like I'm saying, a, a violinist, a lead guitar player, and then myself on guitar. And all three of those things kind of occupy a similar space. Yeah. Um, so in a way, it's freeing because I really didn't have to play as much. And I think that was probably my biggest fear was overplaying because I was just so used to covering every inch of these songs by myself. Um, so when you have other people, I think you have to be really aware of like, you know, <laughs> like giving it proper space so that it doesn't sound so jam packed. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So but that said, I mean, these musicians are just so great. It's really fun to like have them take the arrangements in their own hands and come up with cool ideas that like obviously I can't do on my own and, <laughs> and kind of let them run with it. And it makes it into almost like a whole new experience and a whole new song. I want to, I want to talk about, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like the Buffalo scene and I, uh, you know, used to going to show so often, including in school, you know, it was just such an easy drive up there, but, uh, not, I, I was thinking about it on the way up here. I think the last time I saw a show, I think, like I told you, it was like 2017. So we're going almost like five years. What is the Buffalo scene currently like? And kind of, I mean, also realize we're in a pandemic probably like dampers the scene. So, I mean, you know, I guess, I guess like normally, cause I'm sure there's less shows and less bands playing, but like normally what is the scene like there? I mean, a lot of venues to play, a lot of bands to like play with, like, what is it, what is it like a uh, current day up in Buffalo? Yeah, it's uh, the first thing I think of when I think of the scene is, I mean, it sounds kind of corny, but it's true. I, I think of warm, <laughs> like everyone who's involved in the Buffalo scene that I know of are just really warm, welcoming, nice people. And like, there's, so much diversity as far as the genres of music um I, I mentioned to you before i mean we have definitely have like the jam bands the blues bands rock bands there's also a punk scene there's a rap scene there's a hip-hop scene um there's the indie kind of scene singer songwriter and what's really cool is that people like intermingle and you'll definitely find bills where it's not just like all one genre of music happening on the same bill it's like there's some differentiation which i think is really cool and fun oh yeah um and so yeah i don't know i just i've always really loved being part of it um i spent some time away with away from it when i was um in nashville and actually i really enjoyed the Nashville music community as well. I felt like a similar level there of warmth and stuff. Obviously there's more competition there just because that city is oh, a city yeah. where people are trying to be famous. <laughs> I can um, imagine. <laughs> and, and in Buffalo, I, I'm not sure. Like, obviously there are people in Buffalo who are definitely talented enough and certainly, um, you know, worthwhile enough to be on a bigger scale, you know, to be noticed in that way. But it's not really about when you're playing out here, it's not really about people, 
trying to cut each other down to, um, you know, aspire to fame, at least not in my mind. So, um, yeah, but I don't know. I just like coming back to it after being even there where, like I said, liked the music scene in Nashville too, but just everyone's so warm and it had changed. Like when I came back, I, um, you know, I was in Nashville for about six months and long story short, it was because of like a health thing that I had to come back. And so I was not well for a while, but once I finally was on my feet again and I was able to play shows, the scene had even changed from just like less than a year before. But even so, like there were new artists who I was meeting immediately who were just so welcoming and ready to have me open or like, you know, um, collaborate. And that's just a really cool thing about this music scene. That, so. That's great. I mean, the uh, just, you know, like warmth is a great, I mean, if you can feel that way of a scene, I think that's a, a, a very good thing. If you can describe your scene that way, that is definitely good. And I, I was wondering that too, like you, when you mentioned you went to Nashville, because like I would imagine, yeah, I mean, the competition there has to be different. So, I mean, there is a different, like you do think there's somewhat of a different vibe. Like, is it more relaxed in Buffalo, you think? Because like you said, there's like, not I'm sure there's a lot of bands who you probably play with and stuff where it's like we're just doing this for fun like we're not really trying to like like maybe we tour a little but it's like we're not trying to like make this a like full-time living or anything like that right yeah no I yeah I'd say it's yeah I'd I'd say that that's definitely accurate (laughs) (laughs) I think yeah because like you said the fun aspect is what's the biggest part I think of anybody doing it here I mean in general I'd say most people who play music you don't think of it in your head as I mean you can hope that one day it would be your living but especially in a city like Buffalo realistically it is not going to be your living (laughs) (laughs) I mean unless you are literally playing every night of the week in multiple projects and really grinding um, you're doing it because you love it I, I did want to actually jump back for a second too, like since you did start. I mean, I went to, I also went to school in Fredonia and everything. And I mean, I, most of my time there, cause I commuted, I feel like I lost out a little bit on like the music. So like, I go like BJs for shows and stuff. But what was the music scene like when you were there? Like, were there other, were there house shows and like places to play? Like, I've always kind of wondered that. Cause like when I was going there again, like I'd see shows here and there, but I always felt like maybe I was missing a scene that was there that I was just like oblivious to? So when I was at Fredonia, I'd say it's funny because I feel like Fredonia goes through cycles of what is really popular as far as the genre of music that's kind of taking over at that moment in time. Um, Because for example, when when I started playing Fredonia post-college, the pop punk thing was huge. Um, But when I was actually attending Fredonia, ska was the biggest thing. Really? (laughs) So, yes. Yeah, it was huge. Um, So there was actually one of the most popular bands on campus was called Lightning Killed My Parents. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the, uh, oh my gosh, what did he play? I'm so bad with horn instruments, it's embarrassing. But I want to say saxophone, perhaps, um, was Ricky Coates. And he actually is currently touring full-time with Keep Flying. Oh, nice. Oh, great. Yes. I, I saw them in Fredonia a bunch. They used to play there constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, that was, like, the biggest thing going around as far as, like, the bars and, um, you know, Old Main, BJ's. Uh, but there was definitely a house show scene. Unfortunately, I feel like I myself also didn't get to experience it that much. <laughs> but I did go once 
so this is such a joke. There was this house called the Foxhole, and I don't know if it still exists. I don't think it does, but that was kind of like the house show place. And I wanted to go so badly. And there was this one night where I did get invited, and I was like so stoked. You know, I'm like, oh yes, like finally the Foxhole, like <laughs> let's go. So I get in the friggin' door, and Anthony, it, it's embarrassing as hell. I was so <laughs> drunk, I never even made it to the basement. Oh no. <laughs> I stood like that's where the show was taking place. I was literally in the freaking living room, like on a sofa for like a half hour, and then I left. It's like what? It's so dumb. What, um, but, what a yeah. great story of your one experience there. <laughs> I know, so embarrassing. I made it I to like, the oh, couch. Yeah, exactly. On the couch in the living room, never even made it to where the freaking show was taking place. Like. Who knows? But I did definitely see a lot of shows with DJs, um, and that was both touring acts and um, and bands from Fredonia. So that was always a fun time. That's awesome. Um, for mm-hmm. before it, I mean, obviously you got Wolf and stuff started there, but like, is that was that like kind of the beginning of you playing in bands, or did you play much in bands in like high school or anything prior to that? No, I I honestly was terrified of performing. Um, until college and I mean even then it it took a lot for me to to get the courage I guess to do it 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 was funny because I I was such a music fanatic um starting probably around like age 13 14 is when I started to really get into music and because that's when I also got a guitar and um I always knew I wanted to perform I I loved to write I knew I wanted to sing but I was just so insecure and I was so self-conscious and uh, I performed at like one open mic night in high school and played an original song. And I loved the feeling afterwards of feeling like, you know, people came up and they were like, wow, that was really cool. And that made me feel good. But prior to performing, I thought <laughs> I was going to throw up everywhere. I remember I kept <laughs> chanting to myself in my head. And to be clear, I do not think I'm anything close to Bob Dylan, but I kept saying in my head, like, everyone thought Bob Dylan's voice like was weird and bad and like, it's going to be okay because like, you know, he was famous and I, I can do this. Like if he could do it, I could do it. I mean, clearly I'm nothing like Bob Dylan, but, but that said, it was just sort of like my, you know, I was trying to pump myself up because I was so nervous. And so when I got into college, I knew I'd love to be in a band, but I just didn't even know how to get there really. And uh, I started playing at open mics with, Uh, a girlfriend of mine who she was a voice major and so she was really talented and she had a a lovely singing voice and so I would play with her and we would you know do cover songs but then she was actually encouraging me to do some of my original stuff and so I started and then uh you know some people saw it they liked it and they that's when I was asked to start a band and so that was my first band was in Fredonia and that was called Perestroika. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So then, yeah, you started, uh, started the music, which I, I really like, I liked hearing that. Cause again, like, I feel like I, uh, I don't, I think I was a few years after you, but yeah, like I always wonder that with the scene there, but that's kind of, it sounds like it wasn't a terrible like place to, uh, start out. Do you play, uh, whether that band or like the wolf songs? Cause I know you said that kind of like, morphed into stress dolls do you still play any of those songs when you uh play live um perestroika songs no but it's funny because uh i have kept in touch with um a couple of the members and i actually played a show in rochester mm, probably like a couple months ago now and the former 
guitar lead guitarist in the band keegan um i played a show with his new band and we were joking saying that like should we play a perestroika song you know like <laughs> should we like whip one out because i can it's funny like i can still remember definitely how to play some of them but i i typically don't wolf stuff i play all the time um that's because a lot of that stuff is actually alaska off of forward is a song that was originally recorded with wolf Oh really? Um, it was on the It's Electric EP, EP, yeah, from 2015. Yeah, so that's a re-recording, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I guess like with my college band, I was uh, co-writing a lot, which was great and it was a fun experience. But um, I think post college, like what I was connecting to more, just happened to be the stuff that I was writing on my own. So I kind of still feel like there's still connection to the material you know where I, I feel genuine in playing it mm-hmm. um so i don't know like the older you get and like you know certain songs from your past i'm sure like there are bands that have made it that feel this way for sure it's like you kind of age out of certain things you know what i mean oh, where totally. you feel a little weird playing it because it's like well I, I don't really know if i connect with this anymore you know it's oh like, no that, <laughs> that makes sense and honestly there's probably a lot of successful bands that the only reason they still play those songs is because they have to. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are very mad that they still have to play things off like their first album. Cause yeah, I mean, as you go on, like, you know, you're not, and actually it's kind of funny cause that it kind of goes to something I think about a lot, like with bands where I'm like, sometimes it's a curse to get well known early on because being defined by like really early stuff, like, yeah, you're not going to want to keep playing the songs you wrote, like when you were in college or like as a teenager, you know, like as time goes on, I mean, Hopefully, yeah, you progress as a songwriter and like keep doing things and you're probably not writing the same things that you were, you know, that long ago. I mean, if anything, I think sometimes you're almost looking at it as like a different person. Like at some actually like, yeah, like for you, like at some point, can you look back at some of those songs from like an outsider perspective? You know what I mean? Not not feel like it's the person performing them, but like you can listen to it is just like, you know, just as a listener. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose you can. It, it's like <laughs> when it's your own material, there's definitely an element to it that you listen and it's kind of like like a weird high school yearbook photo or something. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like kind of like, oh, God, like, I don't know. But <laughs> at the same time, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I'm I'm proud of, you know, like everything I've at least tried to do because I know at the time when I did it, it was out of genuine intentions and I you know, I, I just think it's like, you just got to live your life, hopefully with not a lot of regret yeah. <laughs> and just to view it as like, you know, at that point in time, that's how you were feeling and that's what you connected with and that's what you believed in. And as long as you're being true to yourself, it's like, I guess there's really nothing to be um, embarrassed about, <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's hard to objectively listen when it's your own thing. I think that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. I uh, I want to just for uh, one more second. We're talking like music scenes and all that. You brought up Rochester. Like another thing, going back to Buffalo. Like, do those two scenes kind of blend together? Like, I I mean, I used to go Rochester's a little further from me, so I didn't get up there a lot. But I always kind of have this. I imagine, like, you know what I mean? Like, you can kind of jump back and forth. I imagine a lot of Buffalo bands play Rochester, and then vice versa. I mean, is is that basically true? In my personal experience, it's like yes and no. Um, for sure, like certain bands from Rochester as well as certain bands from Buffalo kind of cross over frequently. Um, 
like one I can think of from Rochester is Boy Jr. And uh, they're incredible. And uh, you should definitely look them up because they're blowing up on social media and (laughs) and everywhere. And and I know that they have played Buffalo quite a bit. And I mean, they're branching out now to even New York City and um, and beyond. And so I'm sure that they will be very successful. And um, I'm trying to think of what other bands have kind of crossed over. I personally love playing Rochester, but I kind of had an advantage because, and I don't know if you and I have ever really talked about this, but I did, I worked in radio for seven years. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And I was actually, I worked for Alternative Buffalo. Um, oh, okay. I know that. Sta- I, I definitely listened to that station. Show. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> so that said, like, because of that experience, I became familiar with the Rochester music scene and made friends in the Rochester music scene just because like I wanted to find local music, you know? Yeah. Um, and Rochester has a lot of really cool things to offer. Um, a lot of really awesome bands. One of my favorite bands out of Rochester are the demos and uh, they're amazing. And like, I just found another one today, um, bad bloom like a shoegazy thing that just blew my mind. And so there's a lot of really cool bands in Rochester. I'd like to see more bands in Rochester come to Buffalo and vice versa. I think it would be cool to have uh, an even more of a crossover going on. Like venue wise up in Rochester, like, like I'm familiar, like the bug jars. So like, you know, like things of that size, I know like some of the bigger places, but like, are there more venues of that size for like smaller bands to play around Rochester? Um, Bug Jar is probably my favorite. <laughs> so, and that's the one I'm most familiar with because that's the one I've probably played the most. But oh, it's a great venue. Yeah, it's it's an awesome venue. The one I just played when I was there was called Rosen Crown, and that was kind of a cool little bar. Um, the stage was super tiny, but it was you know a, a tight knit kind of room, and you could tell the people there were truly there to listen. So that's always a cool thing. Um, but outside of that, I don't really know. I've been to a house show at Rochester once, but I guess I'm not totally familiar with the other venues available. Like I know there are some coffee houses, but um, Bug Jar is kind of always what I think of when I think of a, a smaller venue in Rochester that is more open to a local band, you know? Yeah. No, I, I was wondering that because, yeah, you, you just wonder with like proximity, the uh, that's very interesting about like, you know, just, yeah, if the scene's kind of like, intermingle or not being like so close together because it right it was like it's like an hour away right you guys like an hour from each mm-hmm. other yeah. yeah it's only an hour it's really not far no so I, I was wondering that's that's uh very interesting that's one too because i mean i've spent time buffalo scene i feel like at least at some point i was up there seeing shows a lot and rochester's just it's that like extra hour that makes it a lot longer from where i'm at so i feel like i never really besides a few like good shows at uh, the bug jar yeah i've never really uh, got to experience that scene so much but uh, moving on, let's get to the uh, the new uh, release forward. Um, as far as uh, releases for you, what number is this? How uh, how many uh, things have uh, Stress Dolls put out now? As far as like EPs and full lengths. Let's see. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that this would be the, I guess the like third bigger release like ep album whatever i've done singles in between but i i I think that this is i won't make you count those because i feel like that's gonna you won't you won't have to like round up all the singles but yeah like as far as like the like eps and stuff yeah because i think it's let's see it's the first one was just the self-titled it was just the stressed owls ep and that's the one that has like 
Crazy and Pills and all those songs on it. Oh, okay. And the second, I guess, thing would have been Pain is a Season. That was like the slower stuff. And now it's forward. So yeah, I guess it's it's three. Yeah, third. So what is that like? You, I feel like you're pretty consistent with music. You put like those out every other. That's about like every other year. I feel like, and then yeah, I, I I'm sure there's some singles and stuff. I swear I've I've seen throughout the time too, where I feel like you're uh, pretty consistent with putting things out. Like as far as as far as songwriting goes, are you someone who like consistently writes, or do you have one of those things where you kind of like you get burst of like you know all all of a sudden you'll like be hit and maybe you'll write a ton for a few months. And then go a while without really writing much for a while. Um, I've kind of had both happen to me over the years. I, I definitely have the burst thing where it almost feels like I have a good, like you're saying, like a good three months of writing things that I actually like. You know, I think that's the other thing too. That you can write so much, but there's really, <laughs> you know, out of probably like. 200 plus songs I've ever written in my life. Like how many of those do I actually like? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like totally. how many are you actually going to keep playing and you're going to try out in front of a live audience? And <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean with releases, it's funny because I kind of feel like I'll record, I'll start recording stuff and uh, just because of like budget stuff and also just how, much of a perfectionist I guess I can be it's like none of my releases have ever been super long like I don't usually do like 10 song things you know I usually keep it like four to six um pain is the season I guess that's seven but whatever but I it's like I'll finish the recording process we're moving on to like getting the thing finished and I'm already thinking about like the next batch of songs I want to record. <laughs> and um, I'm trying to get to a place, especially with this current release, because I'm just so happy with it. I'm so proud of it. And uh, it took though a while to really have the whole thing finalized. Um, and we were recording it for almost a year only because of COVID and all that insanity. And so it really kind of put a stunt in the process. So like during that time I was just getting so restless. I was already thinking like, well, no, wait, like now I have these like five songs I want to do instead. <laughs> and like, maybe I should just like do those now and I'll put it out like right after. But it's like, you know what? Slow the hell down. Like <laughs> just enjoy what it is for what it is. And I don't know, I'm just trying to be present in it as much as I can, because I feel like I, sometimes I just get over the top where I'm already like planning everything for the next thing. And it doesn't even exist yet. When it, when it comes to that and like being in the studio then, I mean, do you enjoy like the tweaking of songs and like the studio experience and like really producing things or are you the other where, I mean, it kind of sounds like you might be that way where like you just kind of record them because you have to like go in, record it, do it and then come back and like, like do another one or do you, do you like kind of like playing around and toying with things a bit while you're in the studio? I think the studio experience can be really fun, especially when you're working with somebody that you really feel understands what you're going for. Um, and I've been really lucky in that everybody who I've ever recorded with, I truly feel like they've, you know, what they've done was exactly what I was looking for at that time. You know, it's like, um, so that's been really nice. But that said, I think if I had to pick, you know, which one do you like better, it would definitely be live. Um, just because there's nothing, I don't know, with studio it's, it is cool to tweak and it's cool to envision what you want for the song. 
but I actually think it was Jeff Tweedy of Wilco. I read his autobiography and he was saying in there how there's even if the song that you record comes out great at the end of the day, it's this weird thing where like (laughs) in your brain, you've just built it up to this level and you know exactly what you want. And so anything that actually like then is tangible is inherently a bit of a disappointment, which like is not to sound like, not to say that like any, you know what I mean? Like people, I, I love all the recordings I've done. I've loved all the people I've worked with. Like, everything has been amazing. I'm so happy with how it all came out. But like, I also get that point of view where it's like, nothing's ever going to be quite as like grandiose and whatever as you picture in your mind. Because like, even if you were to get it to what you think is exactly like what was in your brain, there's still like this endless amount of possibilities when it's not set to a, you know, a recording yet. Oh, totally. No, it makes total sense. And I mean, if you're including, if you're spending a long time writing a song, or just whatever you hear in your head. I mean, I, I've had the same things like writing things where what's in your head versus what comes out can be like two different things, which you have to you have to almost accept at some point because yeah, like like you were saying, like you it's built up so much that no matter what comes out, honestly, it could be the greatest song ever. But like from where you're standing and your perspective and not being the listener, yeah, you can you can definitely still be disappointed while like everyone else like from the outside perspective like is like oh i don't get it but i i totally get where you're coming from with that yeah it's just i don't know it's interesting like when i read that quote i was like yeah i i guess i do i do get that but like i also think too i don't know we're all our own worst self-critics and it's like i think sometimes you just need to like step away from material for a hot second and then be like wait you know like this actually is really cool and maybe i'm just being over the top as far as how much I'm looking into it and picking it apart. And um, there's always, I, I guess myself, it's like, I, I always love everything everyone else does. But then of course I'm picking apart like every vocal and every little guitar part that I feel like maybe I could have done better and whatnot, you know, I mean, it's yeah. all just, it's all, I guess, in a way, ego driven stuff that really doesn't matter. It's like, just be happy with the recording and be happy that you're able to do it. You know what I mean? I mean, for, for having to, like you said, it took like about a year to like record this. I mean, I I would imagine then with you kind of having those thoughts then that, that, that had to get, that had to get in your head then at times where like, maybe I could have added that, like, were you doing that? Or like, maybe I could have added this or maybe we should have done that. Like, having having more time like that sounds like maybe it wasn't good like it makes you get in your head more and more i think it definitely can i i also i had the fortune of years ago i got to work with a friend of mine who um he's just no other way to put it basically like a creative genius in my opinion (laughs) he's just a total mastermind but what i loved about working with him was that he really kind of put a stop to the whole overthinking thing it was kind of i remember i recorded my vocals i did maybe like two perhaps three takes and after they said okay you're done and i was like really like nothing he's like no it's it's done he's like i we got it it's over and i was like oh okay (laughs) and so that kind of was a lesson in just stop thinking so hard about it just try and just let it be what it is and i guess just trust that it can and same with when i just worked with my friend mark on forward i mean he was very much the same way where where we were going into it. He records music, his own music as well. He writes, and he was just telling me how um, 
he was just like, you know, honestly, when I record my songs, he's like, I do like one, maybe two takes of every instrument that I play. And then I just kind of toss my hands in the hair and I'm like, it's done. <laughs> and so once he said that, um, I kind of tried to adopt as best I could the same attitude because like you're saying, it just can be maddening because if you allow yourself to go down that road, you will never feel satisfied and you will never finish anything. Yeah, that that uh, it, it, I can see where that would be like, yeah, sitting with that too long, if you can get in that mindset, which again, I mean, I think I think anyone does. Like, I don't think that's uh, crazy. You get in there. I think most uh, artists kind of get like that, including like like you mentioned earlier, like being your like own worst enemy when it like comes to all those things. Where uh, where did you record forward? I mean, obviously in Buffalo, but where uh, was it recorded at? So the studio is called BlackRock EPS. Um, it's actually the former audio magic and um there were audio magic was a really i guess kind of a a prominent maybe you would say studio in buffalo for quite some time like the tragically hip recorded there oh nice um i think ani defranco recorded there definitely at one point and it was cool because it was kind of full circle i actually interned at audio magic when i was a senior in high school oh nice (laughs) so it was really kind of fun to return and Um, I recorded my first recordings ever when I was a senior in high school, which I recorded two songs. It was part of my internship. They let me do it. Um, We're at Audio Magic. And so sweet. Yeah. So it was really cool to be able to return there now, years later, uh, over a decade later and record um, this record there. It was really fun. Have you uh, have you uh, did you go any further with that? Like with your internship there, like have you recorded anyone else or produced any other bands? When I was an intern, actually, it was so my dad is also a musician, and my dad's band came to record. Nice. <laughs> and I sat in on that session and uh, helped that helped them out with that too. But mostly at the time when I interned, it was so Robbie Konikoff is um, who used to own and run Audio Magic, and he's just a great guy. Uh, we still are in touch, and uh, I honestly would mostly just go show up and sit with Robbie and we would talk about music for like four hours. Nice. (laughs) And then I would go home. (laughs) That's a good internship. And, you know, and then I would like record, I guess at one point, and then I sat in my dad's van, but I I never really got into the recording route. Um, I obviously at Fredonia, I'm sure, you know, they have that amazing sound recording program. Um, Oh yeah. And I, I knew some people who were in it at the time when I was there and I found it all very intimidating. And (laughs) even just, I I majored in audio radio at Fredonia and the technical side of all that, I mean, even to this day with my music gear and everything, I will totally admit it can be super embarrassing just how out of sync I am with knowing about all of my equipment and exactly what it is I'm playing with and, um, I've just never been attracted to the technical side of things. I've always been more attracted to the creative side of things. So at the end of the day, I just don't think sound recording was really the path for me because there's just so much really kind of math involved in the whole thing. And your brain really has to work in a, in a way that I don't know if mine could work. That said, like I, I do more, I have a DI box. I do some you know, mediocre recordings at home, mostly just demo stuff to get down ideas. And I've liked playing around with it, but I think ultimately that wouldn't have been the path for me. So do you, you, know, th- do it- you think you would have the patience though? Because I I've, 
I basically did the same thing as you did. I mean, I, I school and I, I went for the same uh, major and everything also because it was very intimidating that sound recording and I, uh, as an electric bass player could not audition. But, uh, what I was, what I was going to say is what I found is originally I was interested in like the production and recording side. And at some point I think I realized I, I hardly have my own, like I hardly have enough like patience for my own stuff, let alone the hours and hours it would take to produce someone else's work. Like, I mean, do you, do you think you would have the, cause I do, cause really that is the thing you're working like on someone else's art for like hours and hours and hours and like tweaking it and making it perfect. And the more I think of that side of it, I'm kind of like, yeah, no, it's not for me. For sure. For sure. And I think too, it, um, like you're saying, it's somebody else's work. So unless you're really passionate about the project, I think it might also be hard to have that patience um, as well as just stare sitting inside and staring at a screen. Honestly, yes. that's probably like the biggest thing <laughs> for me is that I just, I, as much as screens are a part of everybody's daily life, um, I have a hard time sitting still and staring at a screen for hours on end. Um, so yeah, that, that also does not appeal to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, with any artist ever, and especially like being an artist, I feel like everyone deserves to have their art cared for and come out in the best possible way that it can be. And so you really want to work with people that have that patience and have that drive to, to achieve what you are looking for. And I can fully admit, I don't know if I will ever be that person. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, Hey, don't feel else. bad. I, I felt that way too. And I can also tell you from uh, interviewing producers on here that it is a certain person because you're right. Like you have to have, it's not it's not just an interest in in music because if you're doing your own music, I don't think everyone can can baby other people's music the same way they baby theirs. You do kind of have to be in a certain mindset or have a certain skill set, I think, to do that. It's not you know what I mean? Like it's not just recording. You really and also, I mean, you mentioned like mathematics and stuff. It does feel like that because you I mean, look at a broadcasting console versus like a mixing console. There's a lot less in a radio station. You can kind of hit it on and off versus uh you know some of those more like the intimidating things you got to do when you're like recording music so i mean a lot of that stuff yeah i i think it's great to like record yourself but i i do i kind of in the same boat as you i think at some point i realized it's like yeah music production for other people like i mean that's 12 hours on someone else's work that i don't i don't think i have time for <laughs> i just can't do that yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot so I'm grateful for the people that are around who can do it for us. <laughs> yes, yes, let 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 them do it. In uh in studio like do you, you know, on this one or really I mean just in general when you go in, do you tend to have everything written or do you like kind of screw around and like, you know, add things and write things while you're in studio too? Or you just kind of go in there, you know what you're doing, and you go in and do it. I definitely have the songs fully fledged as far as the structure um when i'm working with other musicians i i welcome them to come up with their own parts i there are definitely times where i have a very particular vision in mind for exactly what i want like for example on the song daisy um when i made that into a demo i for the violin parts that you hear in the song the original demo is hilarious because it's my voice just doing that i didn't even sound ridiculous 
but I sent it to Sally and I just said, this is what I want. Could you just come up with something that sounds like that? And she did it obviously much better than my voice and also much better than I could have ever imagined it being. Um, but yeah, I, I like when people add their own flair, but I certainly have the song structure down. I do think it, it's a cool thing to think about because I definitely think more so back in the day when record labels actually had money and, uh, you know, we're getting bands and paying for all their studio time and stuff. I, I do romanticize the whole concept of you go to the studio, like you only have half the album written, you're writing the other half in the studio, you know, like oh, it's, yeah. it's a really cool thing to think about, like just kind of the, the lore of that whole oh, idea totally. um, is awesome. But I think for, especially for just a small artist it's like you want to know exactly what you're doing because you're on the clock (laughs) (laughs) and you don't really have time to mess around so it's like okay let's just go in there and get this done to the best of our capabilities (laughs) no because that that is the problem of that is is you're right like back in the day when like bands are in there and they're like writing half of it in the in the like studio but it's like that could cost in certain instances like million it costs you millions of dollars to write in the studio basically like for a glorified rehearsal space almost like yes. a very expensive rehearsal space back in that is back in the day when labels uh just throwing money around like that but i feel like even now like i mean unless you're like really really big i don't i don't think uh you know many people are getting those kinds of budgets anymore i i don't know unless you own your own studio i don't think many people are writing a whole lot in the studio i think they're kind of like you're saying like time is money like we got what we got we better get in there and get this done for sure. And, but what, you know, I was just talking about this the other day with my boyfriend, what was so cool about that whole time um, with music. And I guess for all I know, it's still happening and I just don't really know about it, but I just feel like there were so many more cool extra songs like B sides. And I, I just remember being a teenager and especially for bands I loved like Jimmy world and fallout boy. And you would find all these cool B sides on message boards and stuff like things, extras that were just throwaways that weren't even released yet on, you know, like the, the deluxe edition of some album or whatever. It was just like, Oh yeah, someone leaked these or found these. And um, I think that that was just so cool that I don't know. I, there's a side of me that wishes that sort of thing was still going on. I mean, I guess I feel like now there's a lot of, the mystery and the magic is sucked out because yes. everything is put up now. Like on, like when there are streaming services, what band wants you to miss out on a song you could potentially like? So they're just going to put everything out there. There's not really any more uh, mystery tracks for you to discover on some random absolute punk message thread. You know, um, you know what else you don't have? You don't have those CDs where there's a hidden track like a hundred tracks later. Yeah, you know, there's like a hundred yes. tracks on a CD. You can't do yes. that on Spotify. <laughs> yeah exactly Uh, okay so true story for forward there was a time where i definitely considered having a quote-unquote secret track oh hell yes i didn't really know how to make it a reality because like we're saying like when it's all digitized it's hard because it's like okay well what like do i just have one song be 15 minutes long and randomly put it at the end but then like someone sees that length and they're probably like not going to want to listen and (laughs) i you know it's like a hard thing to do now when everything's digitally done but back in the day that was like one of the coolest things was when you would buy a cd and you get to that last song and it keeps running and you're like well what's what's happening here and then you're waiting you're waiting and it's like oh shit like something else is gonna happen and then finally like 
10 minutes later, you know, something comes on and it was just the coolest. I, I just loved that. I love that. You're making me nostalgic. Cause I'm thinking of like, like there's multiple albums I can think of that I was in love with listening to like on my CD player and just who knows how many times I listened to it, but maybe this one time I just would get sidetracked doing something and just let it sit there and nothing would play. And all of a sudden, like you're saying, you could just be doing whatever. You just be moving shit around in your room or whatever. And all of a sudden, a song you've never heard starts black. Like, oh my God. Like, it's the, for one, it scares the shit out of you at first if you're not <laughs> expecting it. And uh, number two, you're like, oh my God. Like, it's like you just discovered, like, what a magical thing you discovered, which also, like, like you were saying, doing the, uh, the other thing where, like, you just make, like, the last, there's always that where, like, there's the last track and it's just really long iTunes always ruined that because then like when you would rip CDs and you'd see you'd see the last song is like 20 30 minutes long you're like okay well obviously this song's not 30 minutes long there's something hidden on there like all that all that magic was like ruined and it's it's so funny because it sounds so little but as you're talking about it I'm getting as excited I'm like damn I remember those days like you just like what a magical thing and like I never I could never do it but I guess there's some CDs like I have you ever heard of this where like it starts before track one. There's like a way to make it play before track one. Like yes. there's, there's mm-hmm. things like that too, where it's like all those cool, weird things are lost. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I know, I know that's, I'd say that's like one of the saddest things in my opinion about how the direction everything's headed. And I hate to sound like the old person who's like, no, I'm oh, with you. I'm with you. Day, blah, blah, but, <laughs> You know, but at the same time, there was something so amazing. And especially when you're young, like when you're a teenager and you're really getting into it. And there's just something so cool about, first of all, having a physical copy of music. And I, I personally still, I love CDs. I have a whole oh, CD same. show. Like I, I still, and I, vinyl records are cool too, but I'll always have a devotion to CDs because that's how I was mostly purchasing my music growing up. And um, I just loved looking at the liner notes, having that physical thing. And then like we're saying, like putting it in and finding a secret track or whatever. I mean, you really felt like you were in on something that like, even if there are hundreds of other fans, whatever, it's like you're in on something that only a certain group of people knows about. And like, as maybe lame as that sounds as an adult, as a teenager, that's like what you're always searching for something to make you feel, I don't know, like you're part of something, you know, like there's something more. Right. And so that was just, such a cool thing to feel especially at that time in life um and and other people you know it was like then you'd go to the shows and you could tell you all kind of felt that you know what i mean like you knew these things about this band like you knew the tracks that weren't released you knew about like that i don't know like that secret weird website online that like led you to some like easter egg about them like whatever (laughs) it was just there was such like a cool time i think in the the mid 2000s like mid early 2000s in music oh totally that was still a tangible thing that is kind of lost now that was probably Um, the last like era too like i think we were probably kind of got to experience like the ass end of that like right before it became like all digital and everything because like even now like thinking of like liner notes like they're really like you may have like you know even even if you go look like on someone's Bandcamp page like you might have who played it and produced it, but you really don't have those thank yous to like the bands that you've toured with. You don't have like you know a lot of times there's those amazing even kind of going back to like labels putting money behind things where you have these layouts in the liner notes. Like there's like obviously they put money behind more photo shoots. There's like a back cover. There's like more than just you know the album art. Like there's really 
like someone put it, put something like additionally to the music, there's this little booklet you get. And sometimes there was a lot of like time and effort and love put into it. And I think that's, that's very lost too. Cause even, even when you get it now, like CDs and vinyl, I feel like a lot of times, I mean, sometimes people will just put in like a little like cardboard card. Like there's not even really liner notes. Like there's the album art, but there's like, there's nothing else with it. Which again, I kind of get, I mean, with the time and, and with money and stuff too, bands don't have that money to like pay out of pocket for a lot of times. But like, yeah, those little, those little extra things, same with, and uh, I mean, credit to you, uh, speaking of, I was about to talk about music videos and you just put out one for Alone, which was really good. And what I like about it is you actually did a video because that was something that I think is kind of coming back, but it was lost for a while where like, it wasn't really music videos, it was like live performances. And it's like, I also get it, bands didn't have money, but like, a lot of, I don't know, I think we lost a lot of things for a while. And like music videos are another one where like money was put behind those and then they kind of went away, you know, but it, it's cool to like see them, uh, see them kind of come back. I mean, is that, is that something that matters? Actually, is that your first video? I was going to say like doing videos and stuff for the band. Is that something that uh, matters to you? But I mean, is this, is this the very first music video you've done? Um, well, there was a music video for crazy. Um, that was one stress styles was a totally a band <laughs> and we, uh, released that. That was probably back in 2016, but, um, I loved working on this video and I agree with you that I think videos, music videos in particular are making a huge comeback because most of the content now that people consume is video content. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, I guess in that way, that's a positive that now we're getting more music videos again and more people putting a lot of effort into story videos and, or just cool visuals as opposed to, and there's not, you know, a a performance video is fine every once in a while. It's like, I, I definitely liked my, some of my performance videos that I've seen, you know, like bands I like do growing up back in the day. But, (laughs) um, I think it's really awesome to have a video that has a concept behind it and kind of something cool for the, the viewer to, to hook into um so yeah i don't know if it's i think was your question if it's like important to me or yeah i, I guess i guess like because again we're with and you are right like it's it I've, music videos are coming back but i feel i still feel like some people it's more important like more which more people are on board where they're like almost make a video for like every song on their album and then there's others who seem to still not realize that there is value in it again you know what i mean like maybe still with that idea where 10 years ago a music video wasn't that important, you know? Yeah. I mean, I personally, I growing up, I, I loved music videos. So I, I've always wanted to do more of them. I think it's just at the end of the day, it's about your budget and it's about the concepts and what is realistic. Um, but I think it's always good to have at least one for each release. It's a fun thing to do. And worst comes to worst, you can always go super DIY and <laughs> try and make something as long as, you know, you feel good about it. But I liked working on Alone because that was actually um, filmed and directed by my friend Brandon Schlea and uh, uh, the founder of Steak and Cake Records, a DIY label out of Buffalo that you should really check out if you haven't, because I think you'd like a lot of the stuff that's on the label. No, I've never um, heard of them. Very good. Very, very good. Um, actually released the first Wolf EP uh, via Steak and Cake. Nice. Um, so uh, Brandon just had a vision and it came together so great for Alone. And I- I'm so happy with it because initially the plan was to have a whole bunch of extras and there was this whole different concept about kind of like the 
the juxtaposition or whatever of like being around a bunch of people and then being by yourself. And that was the whole theme. But then we got canceled because due to weather, we just couldn't do it with all these people. And we wanted to do it outside because of COVID and yada, yada. So um, super last minute, he came up with a completely different concept and we just filmed most of it that day. The snowy scenes you see are all from the day of the video shoot getting canceled and then us coming up with a new plan. And then all the rest of the shots were done like a few days later on in one evening. Um, we just sat down at the, we're by the water and waited for all the different times of day to occur. Um, that's so, wild, yeah. like just on the fly like that, like just improvising when you had to. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, well, Brandon is a very creative person. <laughs> so I'd say. I, I lucked out in working um, with him because he just, uh, he can pull anything pretty much out of his brain and make it work. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, like, honestly, that also goes towards, like, again, like the, you know, talking about, like, the strong scene you have up there, that you have these... Like that, you know, these people that you can get like, oh, if I need a band, there's people to play with. If I need someone to do a music video, like I know people who do that kind of stuff, even run like a like record, like local record labels and, uh, you know, like local studios and stuff like that. Like that's a uh, that's a sign of a good scene, I would say. That's like a healthy, alive scene. If you kind of like can find all that stuff, like it sounds like you don't have trouble doing doing any of this. There's like, you know, whether behind the scenes work, you need things recorded whatever there that really does sound like a very supportive scene up there for sure yeah i'm i feel really lucky to be part of this whole community and just full of like we keep saying really talented creative people who are um always welcoming so you got to get get over here (laughs) you got to come see some shows here because it is really fun and uh i think there'd be a lot that you would enjoy there's a yeah, I mean, there's always always uh, I mean, classics Mohawk Place, one of my favorites up there. And before the oh, waiting yeah. room closed, that was always a good. Okay, actually, I have a. I guess this is for me. Is the rec? You know the rec room, right? Is that just the waiting room? Because I've heard of the rec room, and from what I can tell, it's just the waiting room upstairs. So rec room is actually a completely new location, um, but it's the same people who did waiting room. Okay. So Rec Room is on Chippewa. Are you familiar with Chippewa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's on Chippewa, and it's across the street from, like, the Mighty Taco that's on Chippewa. Oh, it's just, so it's say. just basically up the street from the old location. Pretty much, yeah. The old location was on Delaware, but this is just on Chippewa up the road. And uh, it's I, – when I, I only played there once, but it's all on the first floor, I believe. I oh, think so. Okay. It, I think it – I guess it looks sort of similar to Waiting Room upstairs, but – it's definitely a little different. Um, it's a, it's a pretty cool room. I, I've only, like I said, I only had one chance to play there, and I really haven't gotten to see any other shows there. I know that they've had some larger acts come through and play, but um, I have yet to to be able to catch a show there. But uh, my my absolute dream is to play Town Ballroom. Oh hell yes, that's another. I mean, I don't know how I skipped over that one. Speaking of great venues up there, yeah, Town Ballroom, classic. Yeah, that's like <laughs> ever since I was. 15 that has been my dream is to play a town ballroom so we'll see if it ever winds up happening but i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure love, eventually yeah i oh god i would love to do that so that we'll is see. that's cool i like i like uh also like getting to like pick your brain on the scene up there i was just interviewing someone a week or so ago uh with in a band up in cleveland and kind of the same thing a place that like 
before I was constantly going to shows too. And just with the pandemic and then I was, I'd lived in Minneapolis for a year. Like it's been years since I've been to shows there and same thing. I'm just like, I got to know what's going on up there. I, you're like updating me on the, uh, on the scene. So I love it. Hopefully it's compelling to, to uh, people listening, but at least for me, this is informative. I'm learning. I'm learning. Here. <laughs> but, uh, for sure. And Cleveland scene is also cool too. Grog great, shop great. Is such a neat oh, hell yeah. You know, I was going to, I was actually going to ask you that, uh, earlier when we were talking about scenes, like being from Buffalo, have you had experience with, I mean, you know, we talked about like Rochester, but like, have you had much experience in like Cleveland or even, I guess Pittsburgh's a little further from you, but like from where I'm at, I go to, so like, if I want to go to shows, you have to go different places. So, I mean, I, I know where you're at, you don't have to do that as much. So like, have you traveled around to I mean, name dropping grog shop? I feel like maybe you've kind of uh, been. I've traveled to see shows in Cleveland for bands that I like. I, I'd like to get more familiar with that scene. And it's actually my goal within the next year is to try and at least do a short little tour. You know, not not anything too extensive, but I would love to hit either Cleveland or Akron or Columbus, somewhere in Ohio. Because um, I do know that there's a lot of really cool bands in that region. Oh, tons of um, them. Yeah, for sure. And uh, maybe I could talk to you more about it after the show. But <laughs> Oh, definitely. But, yeah. And like and even like with, um, you know, with Pittsburgh and stuff, too. That's another scene that I know there's like cool stuff. Happening. Really good scene. More... Really yeah, good I, scene up there. I need to become more familiar with it. I I feel like, you know, sometimes I'm really good at kind of discovering music from other cities and then sometimes I'll kind of get distracted and sidetracked. I mean, for a while I was really looking into the current Minneapolis scene, which I realize isn't really in our region, but that's, it's a really cool music scene. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. it has been for years, but like there's a lot of really cool stuff going on there right now. Um, I know Ithaca has a really cool music scene too. Yeah. And um, I forget about them, but you're right. I mean, just even just that big old college town, you're almost bound to have, I would think a flourishing scene being being a place like Ithaca. For sure. Yeah, lots of awesome performers from Ithaca. I've I've had the opportunity to play with um probably at least a couple of people who have come through Buffalo. And uh I was supposed to play there. I played there once and it was really fun. And I was supposed to play there again and then the pandemic hit and I didn't get a chance to go back, but hopefully another time. Um but yeah, I think we're really lucky in western New York. Because I really do believe there's a lot of really good music that comes from around here. And it, I, I've always felt like there's sort of a, a stigma, maybe you could say, where it's like some people are like, oh, well, it's good for like a local band. And it's like, no, like it's not just good for a local. It's like it's actually legitimately very good music. Like whether yeah. these people were from here or not, I would be listening. Um, so I think in this region we get kind of not spoiled because I think it's great, but, but yeah, like we definitely get a lot of um, really cool stuff and I'd love to explore even further. No, I, I honestly, the other thing, which also people, people need to like, like, that's how you don't have like being like, Oh, it's only good for local bands. Like, no, that's how you make it only good for local bands. It is a good scene. Like you were saying, like you should be able to flourish there. Like you, you know, bands should be able to do that. And I also think, like logistically, like you're in a you're in a good spot because I mean you're not far from here, and I always think like where I'm at, it's like you can be so many places in like three hours. I mean, like when the borders open again, you have Toronto right there, you have Rochester right there, Syracuse isn't far, you got Cleveland, you got Pittsburgh, Erie's not far from you. Like there's like metropolitan areas. I mean, take your pick. Like go like three hours in a direction, and you'll you'll hit some kind of like city. 
you know, it's so like doing even like a small tour like you're talking about. I think you could easily, I mean, hell, just do a tour of Lake Erie. Just like ride, ride Lake Erie and like just hit the cities on it. Like even just doing something like that, you'll hit yeah. a bunch of like even in the Midwest, you know what I mean? You're getting to like that Midwest market there. So I, I feel like I feel like we're in a good spot. And I uh, I'm surprised we don't see more of that. I think the unity, like the unifying of all of it, you know, kind of because, again, like being in that like radius, um, I think it's definitely something like when playing and stuff uh, comes back and, you know, you can tour more. I definitely uh, think like, you know, more Buffalo bands playing Cleveland, vice versa and Pittsburgh and all that. Uh, not a bad idea. Every everything. Everyone's amazing. so close together. You know what I mean? It's so close together. It's like, why not? Yeah, I agree. And I also think the vibes of the cities are also very similar. Yes. Oh, <laughs> like, definitely. You know, people from all three of those places, we probably have very similar, I don't know, just like feelings of the cities and <laughs> like how things have come up and, you know, the, I guess the, what's the word I'm searching for? The, the drive behind the music. I don't know. It's, I think it would be definitely worth, I guess, exploring more. And hopefully that would be awesome if that could be a thing that happens more often because I agree. I, I just think at the end of the day, anything where it's like artists uniting and building each other up and making more connections is always going to be positive. Oh, totally. I mean, it's, I mean, that's, that's how you get anything. I was, uh, I was talking to someone, uh, interviewing for an upcoming interview about the, uh, New Jersey pop punk scene of like the late nineties, early two thousands. And it blows my mind. Cause you're talking to these people and like they would have they would have shows like local shows where local kids come out and there's like 200 people at a VFW hall and like they're doing it every weekend. Like there were like like just such a like I talked to him for like three hours on it because it's just like it blows your mind because when you think of local music scenes, there's a lot of them where the camaraderie is not there. And this is so different. This is a bunch of like teenagers who are like, we're going to book the shows. We're going to put flyers up. We're going to like. We're going to set everything up. We're going to book it, you know, like get the VFW halls. We're going to put them together. Like, I, I think that's uh, that's that's how you get a good scene. I mean, if you're all against each other, that's that's an issue. If you're all if you're all playing against each other, like, you know, if it's a competition of who can get to the top, like you're all you're all screwed then. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That's when you all lose. But uh, <laughs> That's why I've never really understood that mentality. I just kind of feel like you want to. um pump each other up <laughs> it's not really it's a waste of energy to be tearing down other people and i don't know i suppose some people do find success in that way but i kind of feel like it would be lonely at the top oh you'd be miserable yeah they're 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 yeah. not those people are probably not well liked <laughs> i can't imagine yeah. they have many friends by the time they're up there <laughs> i would assume that you're correct <laughs> <laughs> but outside of outside of music um i i believe right you, you do some uh, art as well don't you I do. Yeah. I, um, I've gotten more into that. Uh, again, you know, I was always growing up. I, for a long time, I thought, well, one, I thought I would be an author that I would write novels. And then two was that I would be an illustrator because I've always loved to draw. Um, and so it's been fun because, uh, like I was mentioning before coming back from Nashville, I, I wasn't feeling so well. I, I have some chronic health issues and at the time they were really, flared up and it was impossible, literally impossible for me to really even like leave my house or play music or do anything. And so I, you know, was going to lose my mind if I couldn't do anything <laughs> creative. Um, so I decided to get back, really put myself back into drawing because right before I had moved, I had started a little greeting card line and oh, nice. I, yeah. And I was kind of trying to do something with it. And then 
I obviously got distracted because music was the first thing on my brain. And so, um, but once I came back, I was like, well, I should really just try picking that up again. So I started drawing more and then eventually um, got into some drawings for bands and stuff. Uh, I've done a couple of album covers. I've done a logo or two. Um, So that's been really fun. Uh, And primarily I still do like portraits, cards. I'm kind of getting more into digital art. Um, I made the the album cover for Forward. um, Oh, nice. So it was really fun. And uh, yeah, so it's been it's been really fun to like get back into it because uh, drawing, I guess, was kind of my first artistic pursuit, I guess you could say. Did and, that come uh, before it, music? Yeah, it did. It definitely did. So I, I was drawing and writing books, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like literally, I, I remember coming home from kindergarten that young. And oh, geez. I would sit and I would be, I couldn't write words really yet. So I would just write scribbles and then I would read it to my parents and pretend like it was words. <laughs> <laughs> like I was probably, maybe I was even like pre-K. I was really young. And then but I would always draw pictures with it too. And um, yeah, that was kind of my, my passion for a very long time. So it's been fun to do it again. Very nice. As far as like, uh, you know, radio or anything in that realm, is that anything you keep your uh, foot into or no, have you kind of like left that behind? Um, it's something that if the right opportunity came along, I would definitely get back into it. Um, I think it, that whole thing just kind of was happenstance. It was like, I went to Fredonia, I was undeclared. I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and my parents were encouraging me to go into communications just cause it's a pretty general major. And obviously the joke of it is always, you know, people just think communications majors are, <laughs> you know, just messing around essentially. Yeah. It's like, well, what do you do? But my parents are really encouraging it. And so the, one of the focuses, as you know, is audio radio. So it's like, well, I like music. Let's do that. And then just kind of over time, it was like I interned, then I actually got a job, then I started working in it. And then I was on the air, which was really cool. And so it was one of those things like right place, right time and a lot of luck. And uh, I did end up really loving it. But I think a big part of what I loved about it was the fact that I got primarily what my job ended up being was showcasing the local scene. And that's like what I was super passionate about. Um, so I don't know if if the right opportunity came along, I, I would never be opposed. But uh, for the time being, I'm not really in it anymore. No, that's cool, though. That was a nice. It sounded like you had a, a nice run in there. I can't blame you. It's a it's a. Uh... I don't know. It's interesting stuff. Yeah. Radio, radio is fun, but you gotta, I think when you're, when you're into something like that too, that definitely makes it uh way better. If you can like talk about including like that, you get to talk about the scene and local bands and stuff. And like, like you said, I'm sure that ended up helping you out in the long run. So you kind of like had some knowledge when you were out there playing as well. You kind of knew like, you know, what it was about, who was out there, who was playing. I'm sure you're proving on all the venues and all that from doing that. Yeah, it was certainly, I mean, I, I lucked out a lot. It was a big advantage <laughs> just because I was, I was meeting, I had live guests every week and I was oh, just nice. meeting so many people. Yeah. And it was really, really awesome. Like I still, you know, I kept friends that I still am in touch with to this day from that whole time that I still play shows with. Um, and so being a musician and having that opportunity at my fingertips was just a very uh, fortunate happenstance. I, I will um, always be really grateful that I had that. Very nice. Well, Chelsea, as we close up here, um, we'll play some songs off forward here in a second and everything. But for you, where can people find you online? Where can they find the music, um, your art too? I mean, if your art is out there, where can people find all that stuff? 
Where can they go after they've listened to this? Well, where can you go? Throwing <laughs> you, you on the search. spot. Yeah, put me on the spot. Well, you can, uh, the official website has all the social media links, and that's stressdollsmusic.com. But if you were to go, I think I'd say I update my Instagram probably the most, and that's just instagram.com slash stressdolls. Um, most of my handles are just stressdolls or stressdolls music. And uh, if you want to find the artwork, you would go to buffaloinlove.com because that's my uh, my little small business name is Buffalo in Love Designs. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me on the Internet. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So go check that stuff out. We will uh, play a couple songs off forward and we'll kick it off right now with the title track or not the title track, the opening track. And uh, like we were talking about earlier, there's music video for this. So go check it out. Here is Stress Dolls with Alone right here on the Power Chord Hour. Whenever I'm alone, I get this feeling it's happening once again. I'm at half a glass without you Drowning in a whirlpool on the shallow end But whenever you're around I am a fever, a hot flush in your face The vermin in your garden Overgrown, you're trying to pick up the pace So I'd rather be
Let's shake these trees and see if they've got roots This soil is ready for Your face in all my favorite songs It's like my stereo is blaring in your smile And this I promise you No rings, no vows, I'd still be true Yeah, even in the tamest touch Our love runs wild On the Power Court Hour podcast, that was Stress Dolls with Nervous. And before that was the opening track off Stress Dolls' newest release, Forward. That was Alone. And uh, go check out that. Go check out Forward. Go check out all their other uh, releases on uh, their Bandcamp page. You can go find them anywhere you stream your music. I mean, you can find them all the normal places. But uh, if you want to go throw a couple bucks their way, go uh, check. Go, uh, you know, grab Forward and all that on Bandcamp. And uh, go check out Chelsea's artwork too. Uh, it was buffaloandlove.com, I believe. But either way, there'll be uh, I'll put a link in the description so you can find it that way. But uh, I want to thank Chelsea for uh, calling in. Great having her on. I mean, I've been playing Stress Dolls on the show for I guess literal years now. I mean, I you know it's uh, it's one of those things where I'm surprised I didn't have her on sooner. But there's a lot of people like that. Like I I'm just bad at booking people. I mean, there's a uh, even just last month, Justin Vaughn from Low Morale, who uh, was great, but like I, I had like intentions, just like with Chelsea, like intentions that just like you know I forget about or like you know I guess at the same time you get busy with things, so sometimes that just happens. You know things start going by the wayside, but uh, you know same with uh, both Chelsea and Justin, kind of like you know meant to have them on a whole lot sooner than I did, but happy I had them both on. Both were uh, great guests, and uh, I had a lot of fun talking to Chelsea. And, uh, you know, asking her also like asking her all those questions about the Buffalo scene and uh, and the for that's really cool, too, because uh, there's I I've gotten people on here where, well, I guess Joey, uh, Joey Cobra, we've uh, talked about the Fredonia scene a little. I guess we've talked more about like Jamestown. Same thing. Same county. I mean, it's it's like 20 minutes away from here. But uh, again, not many people I, I can have on here that, uh, 
you know, I can name drop like BJ's and uh, they know where I'm talking about and stuff. So fun to talk about the scene there and uh, up in Buffalo and all that. And it is true. Like we, uh, we have a lot of cool scenes around here because everything is so close. Like, you know, the proximity of, of like Western New York to even down to Pennsylvania and then over to the beginning of the Midwest with Ohio, like I don't know. And then also you go North, you're in Canada. I mean, Buffalo is right on that border. I mean, you can be in Toronto and, I think like an hour and a half from Buffalo. It might even be less than that, honestly. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think that's cool. I I won't I won't like talk about that forever because I feel like I talked about it with Chelsea and I feel like I talked about it with Justin and uh, I feel like I talk about it on the show a decent amount. But again, location is uh, not terrible around here because you can get around to like all these uh, different places. You know, you don't have that everywhere. Like when I lived in Minneapolis, I mean, you know, you go three hours north and you get to like Duluth. And uh, if you go three hours south, uh, not much. I mean, that's not a great place, I think, for go like that. Like in in terms of that, you can't get to a lot of like major cities three hours away, you know. So uh, not everyone has that, and uh, it's kind of nice to have it. You can go like check out the other scenes and stuff, and good if you're trying to tour as well. But uh, you know, and if you are in like the uh, area, or the Buffalo area, or you know, anywhere anywhere in like Western New York. Um, definitely keep an eye out because Chelsea does play out quite a bit, both uh, solo and full band. So if you're uh, near Buffalo, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I've not seen her live yet. I got to go see her live sometime and, uh, you know, definitely go check her out. The videos I've seen are really good. There was a, uh, on the record release show they did, uh, they did a cover of Violent Femmes Added Up and really, really like a full band too. It was uh, really good. I like how they... Uh, like they kind of kept to the original, but they kind of added their own flair, and uh, it worked really, really well. I thought, uh, and I thought Chelsea had some great vocals on it. Really, like kind of like aggressive. It worked really well for uh, the song. Definitely, I mean, it's on I think YouTube, and you'd probably find it on their social media page. So yeah, go follow Stress Dolls on social media. Go buy their music, and uh, keep an eye out for if they're playing shows around you. If you're in like the Western New York area, or you know Pittsburgh or Cleveland. Leave your leave your city. Go check it out. Like go to Buffalo. You know what I mean? If you live in like Pittsburgh or something like that, like go take the drive. Go go see some local music in Buffalo. You know, go see local music in a place that's not local to you. Uh, that's always fun. I think that's cool to do. But go follow them if you want to follow us. We're at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook, and you can follow us there. Uh, new radio shows every Friday night. If you want to, if you need more of this show. We got new episodes every Friday night from uh, 10 to midnight Eastern on 107.9 WRFA in uh, Jamestown, New York. And you can stream you can stream the radio station, listen to my show and all the other great shows at uh, WRFALP.com. So uh, go check that out. You can listen anywhere. You got an internet connection, so you got no excuse. You can, you can listen anywhere. You do not have to be in Jamestown. But uh, yeah, it's every Friday night. Uh, if you would, wherever you're listening to this, if you would subscribe to the podcast, uh, rate and review if you feel so inclined. And uh, yeah, I mean, that would help out a lot. And spread the word. Tell uh, tell your kids about us. Tell your parents about us. Tell, tell everyone you know um, because I would like that because I would, I would like as many listeners as possible. And uh, I mean, quite frankly, if it puts them to sleep, Good. I mean, it can be. It can be that. I can just put them to sleep with it. I mean, I'm putting myself to sleep with this at this point. So I'm probably going to close this up, and I will be back next week with a. Uh, you know what? Actually, at the time of me recording this, 
Um, I do not know who's next week, but it's up in the air between two people. And I got to say, both are like really, really cool. Like I really, I mean, one's like a legit like legend and the other, I mean, legend, legend in his own right. But I mean, maybe not to the same amount the other one is, but I mean, his, his written some amazing, amazing songs that I like absolutely like a big, a really uh, big influence on me. So like both, both, both people like big impacts on me. And two people who I've been listening to for a really long time. And uh, next week is also marks the sixth anniversary of the radio show. So it's kind of like a special anniversary thing. So I don't know who's on the anniversary episode yet, but it's between two people. And I got to say, both are uh, really, really rad. So it's going to be good stuff. Make sure you tune back in for that. And uh, I, I will be excited. But yeah, at, at the time you're recording this, I don't know which one it is yet, but uh, I think I think it's going to be pretty cool, whichever one it is. But uh, yeah, so that is it for the Power Chord Hour. I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.